And good morning. Thanks for the help you get from uh, ASC Certified Technician Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive. We'll uh, help you keep it running. Good morning to you, Dan. Good morning, Denny. How are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. I was listening again to our theme song that we've used for so many years and the word chrome. I wonder how many years it's been since there's been chrome <laughs> on vehicles. What, what do you say? What do you think? It's a long time. Maybe long back time in the 70s, I suppose, yeah. I would think, yeah. yeah. Uh, if uh, anybody has a, a question, if you uh, have a problem with your uh, personal vehicle and you need to bring it in for service at your favorite shop or your favorite dealer, uh, you want to know what could be wrong with it before you bring it in. And information is always good to have, more of it than uh, less of it. Call us uh, or text Dan, 651-989-9226. It's the same number for a phone call if you want to chat with Dan or uh, send him a text, 651-989-9226. Had the pleasure of uh, visiting Lloyd's Automotive this past week, Dan. It had been a while since... Uh, I uh, had brought uh, Sandy's uh, vehicle in for an oil change. I, I I don't think I've ever waited that long before, but I think circumstances maybe warrant it. I mean, you've seen vehicles coming in like maybe maybe they should have brought it in a little earlier for uh, service. But uh, what do you recommend? At least once a year, if not twice, maybe. Yeah, I think twice a year. You know, is a is a good minimum. Spring and fall. Mm-hmm. The seasons are different, and different things need to be checked. And so, I think uh, I think spring and fall is uh, is just a good schedule. And a lot a lot of cars right now are not quite due for an oil change, but yeah, uh, most of the time we do it anyway as as part of the checkup. Uh, time time and not mileage necessarily. Yeah, yeah, time and not mileage. Yep. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. I wanted to mention that Dan will be with us till just about seven forty five. So don't wait if you do have uh, any kind of a car care question. Uh, call it in or text it in sooner rather than later. We like to try to get uh, all the questions answered before uh, Jack Farrell steps in at 745. Uh, during that visit, uh, I was noticing, because with a, with an oil change, you, of course, uh, um, were uh, uh, rotating the tires. And I saw that uh, you were using kind of a, a rubber mallet to get uh, <laughs> to kind of break it free. Was, was there an issue with that? Is that kind of typical or, or what? Well... That is typical in this climate, and it is um, that was a new car, so that did not take much. Some of them, you know, if the wheels have been on for a long time, take a major uh, experience to get them off uh, um, because of the rust and corrosion. And uh, when I think of somebody trying to, I mean, it would be impossible to try and change a tire on the road under those conditions, you could not oh, yeah. safely get underneath the car and hammer on it the way that you have to uh, with a rubber mallet to be able to get them off. And so uh, it's a big deal. And you you notice, Denny, that in the process of that, uh, I took a, you know, a, a wire brush and cleaned all of that corrosion off. And then you also notice that I took some uh, thick lubricant and put it on those hubs yeah. So that that so that won't happen again, and uh, and that's an important thing to do too. And, and by the way, uh, that that's why you need to know who your shop is and who your mechanic is because uh, you want stuff done that way. And you saw Denny; it takes a long time. <laughs> oh, you know, it really does. I I mentioned it because yeah. uh, Son Tony was with. Uh, we were watching through that window, and I and I uh, I see, and I've seen you do this before. And I don't know if everybody does this. I suppose they should. Is that you? You take your uh, 
um, you tighten the lug nuts after you're all through. It's still on the hoist. You you tighten them all down, and then when you bring the vehicle down on the ground, you use a torque wrench. Does, I mean, that's uh, what's what's the deal with that? I thought you'd already well, tighten them, and then you're doing it again. <laughs> that's true, actually. On <clears throat> every bolt, on every car, we have a torque spec. The oil drain plug, the lug nuts, every bolt. Uh, you can look it up. You know, when you're doing an oil pan, whatever you're doing, valve cover gaskets, a head gasket, every single bolt has a torque spec. And by the book, you're supposed to torque every single uh, nut and bolt on the car, which, of course, you don't have time to do. And experience right. has taught you over the years that, you know, what tight is and, and, and so forth. But when it comes to wheels and tires, uh, we require it at Lloyd's that you torque that you retorque the wheels properly because that's a major safety deal. You know, if a if a, a bolt falls off of a water pump, nobody gets hurt. Uh, if a bolt if 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 the lug nuts fall off and the wheels <laughs> fall off, pe- people get hurt. That's a big oh, deal. Yeah. So, any of the significant safety uh, nuts and bolts that we do. Uh, we do require that you torque them exactly with, to what the manufacturer specifies so that we know they're tight and they're going to stay tight. I'm glad you do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's grab, a, let's grab a phone call from, I think Barry is calling in from uh, Egan this morning. Barry, you are on with Dan Burns. Good morning. Um, I have a 2007 Buick Lucerne, and there's a, um, a fiberglass or plastic shield that is underneath the engine compartment. It runs from the uh, front bumper back under the engine compartment, and it has come unattached at the front end and is like flapping in the wind when I drive. Is that something that needs to be replaced, or can it be reattached at the front bumper? Uh, Is it necessary to leave that in place? What's the situation there? I'll hang up and listen. Well, it's it's best to leave those in place. They they put them there for sound dampening and for airflow, so that the air flows through the engine compartment and, and around the vehicle properly. And so, uh, you know, they they're they're expensive and complicated to put on, and the manufacturer puts them on. So there must be a good reason for doing that. Oftentimes in Minnesota, they get caught up in the snow and and so forth and or uh, a, a curb that's too tall that you run over when you're parking the car, and they get knocked off. And so we have to deal with this all the time where uh, many times we have to get creative uh, to reinstall them with some zip ties or, or uh, you know, these push uh, button things that, that lock them up into place, you know, by pushing them into a hole. But... Uh, uh, in many cases, we're able to just refasten them securely. Uh, in a worst-case scenario, you know, if they're too far damaged and too far gone, then they need to be replaced. But that's not a big deal either. So, you know, they just have to be ordered ahead of time. And, uh, you know, they're certainly available because they break all the time. But, uh, but uh, no, we deal with putting those back up all the time. So we'll be, that would be no big deal to bring that in and have that done. Excellent. All right, Ken, you're going to be next. Uh, don't go away. We uh, have a line open if you want to call in your question for Dan. 651-989-9226. Same number applies to a text if you want to send Dan a text message 
instead of a phone call. 651-989-9226. Keep in mind, Dan will uh, take his leave here about 745, so don't wait if you have a question. All right, let's take this uh, break. We'll be right back with more Car Care on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Danny along here with Dan Burns, who is an ASC certified technician on that uh, beautiful Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Lloyd's Automotive. Exactly where, Dan, is uh, Lloyd's located? Well, you know you were just here this week, Danny. <laughs> That's we right. Are at <laughs> Short-term memory. <laughs> yeah. We are at 982 Grand Avenue, which is right between Lexington and Victoria uh, on Grand Avenue. You can find us on the web at lloydsautomotive.net. L-L-O-Y-D-S, LloydsAutomotive.net, or give call this morning. We'll be here uh, uh, as soon as 8 o'clock at 651-228-1316. Very good, and we'll get you that information before Dan leaves us. He will be with us till just about 745, so don't wait if you have a question. We have textures and we have callers, Dan. In fact, we promised Ken. Ken would be next in White Bear Lake. Ken, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Dan? Yes, I have a uh, 06 Buick Rendezvous, and uh, after the car was running while well, it was warmed up, when I'm stopped, and this only happens occasionally, uh, it'll uh, hesitate, then lurch forward. I'm wondering if that's uh, what kind of a problem that might be. Well, the... <clears throat> uh... One of our least favorite words in this vehicle is uh, occasionally or intermittently because they make them tricky to track down and experience uh, so that we can have, have an idea. Um, there's a couple of questions I would have, I'm, I, and I probably would need to experience it to be able to answer that. I wonder if it's the engine surging or if it's if it's the transmission surging, and uh, you know if the transmission is is doing a funny shifting thing late or something like that, uh, or is is the engine idle actually adjusting and surging, um, causing that lunging feeling? And there's a whole bunch of things that can cause the vehicle idle to change. For example, if the air conditioning is on and the air conditioning compressor cycles on, then uh, that on, the, it, the, it's all computer controlled. The computer turns the idle up because the, uh, the uh, air conditioning puts a load on the engine. And I have an idea. I've ha- had people complain of this before, and that's what it turned out to be, that just at the wrong moment, the air conditioning turns on and then the, and then the idle turns up uh, a little too high. Uh, for example, if, if you're going into a parking spot and you turn the steering wheel all the way in one direction, that puts a big load on the engine and that'll cause the idle to go up too. So there's a whole bunch of things that'll cause the idle to go up. And I wonder if one of those things is uh, is either what you're experiencing and it's normal or is one of those things uh, defective and causing a problem uh, that, that you've not experienced before. But I, I probably would, you know, in, in any shop would probably have to feel that. So uh, we're happy to go out and go for a ride with a customer and and see how that feels or see what they're experiencing uh, in in these odd intermittent situations like that. 
Yeah, like you said, that's a tough word, intermittent, once in a while. That's uh, yeah. that's more detective work. All right, thank you for the call. Uh, 651-989-9226. Uh, texter uh, says this. It doesn't say what kind of a vehicle it is, but this texture says that they have an oil leak, neither the gasket as well as oil pan replaced due to rust. Is that an expensive proposition? But again, we have, we have no idea what uh, what the vehicle yeah. is. You know, it can be an expensive uh, proposition. And it seems funny, Denny, to... Uh, have a customer come in complaining that their oil pan, which is full of oil all the time, is rusting out. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we actually see that quite a bit where it rusts, you know, from the outside in, of course, and the rust eventually gets deep enough that the oil starts to slowly drip out. And yes, you're right. We need to know what kind of car that is because uh, in a worst case scenario, the engine would have to come out to replace that oil pan. I doubt if that's true. That would be rare. But in many cases, the engine cradle and steering rack and all of that need to be lowered to get room to access the oil pan and uh, and replace it. And then the third and best scenario is oftentimes or, or from time to time, the oil pan is you know readily accessible and then it's no big deal. If if you don't have to remove a bunch of stuff to get at the oil pan, uh, then you can change it quickly and easily, and, and it's, uh, it's no big deal. Good. Let's uh, get another phone call in here. Judy, I believe, is waiting there in Cottage Grove. Judy, you're on CCO with Dan. Okay, morning. morning. I have a 1970 Cutlass, and my speedometer, odometer, just stopped working about a month ago. Do you fix that at your shop? We do fix that at our shop, and, and any shop in town would be able to fix that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure on that vintage if that is an electronically controlled speedometer cable, or I, it's probably old enough that it's a mechanically controlled uh, speedometer cable and, and driven by a cable. And if that's the case, maybe the cable or something just broke. Uh, but at any rate, older car like that diagnosing and, and uh, repairing the speedometer is, is quite simple and uh, and would not be anything that you need to really worry about. You can bring that in anywhere, and they'll be glad to take care of it for you. Very good. Uh, let's see. Good morning, this texter says. Just got an O2 Maxima. It needs a high-pressure power steering hose. Online tells me that DEX3 ATF will work for fluid instead of Nissan PSF. Is that true, is the question. Maybe you can decipher some of what they're saying here. Yeah, they, well, they're, they're, they're all hydraulic fluids. The power steering fluid and the transmission fluid and all that are all hydraulic fluids, and oftentimes they are interchangeable. Oftentimes, DEX3, which is a transmission fluid, uh, is, is interchangeable for power steering fluid. And, uh, you know, if the... Uh, manufacturer says that that's just fine, or if the aftermarket chat lines say that that's just fine, it probably is. I would not be surprised uh, if that's the case. So, uh, so if it, if you found that somewhere and it's a reliable source, I, I think that I would uh, be comfortable doing that. Excellent. I know we have to break here momentarily, but I uh, I know from time to time, uh, Dan, you uh, you applaud people who who try to do the work themselves. I know you've said that on many shows, and this listener was thanking you for enabling listeners to be confident 
to do the work themselves. Now, there's some things that uh, are, they need a pro like you, but you've done that before. You have applauded people who've tried to do the work themselves. Oh, there's, there's lots of things that you can and should try, and there's lots of information, YouTube videos and so forth, that are, that uh-huh. are available. When it comes to safety, though, and, uh, and you know, something that we need to be certified in to even be able to do, then I kind of pause and say you probably should let a professional do that because sure. uh, if you're not familiar with it, you don't want to put yourself and your family and the other motorists on the road at risk by uh, by doing something uh, that you don't know what you're doing. So, Good point. But when it comes to bulbs and blade, wiper blades and a whole bunch of things, uh, if you feel comfortable doing it, go ahead. It's great. Absolutely. All right, Dan, let's take a quick break here. And Dan will be with us for about another 15 minutes here on Newstalk 830-WCCO. And welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long here with Dan Burns, ASE Certified Technician at Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Dan, we have callers and we have texters, so let's see how many uh, folks we can help out uh, this morning. Let me let me grab this uh, this text, and, and then we'll g- get uh, Randy on the horn. Uh, it says, hello, I have a 2014 Chevy Cruze, 76,000 miles on it. I've had nothing but problems with the engine. Are the 1.4-liter engines problematic, have you heard, is the question. Yeah, no, I have not heard that particularly. Uh, there are models and, and vehicles that have had trouble, um, but I haven't. I have not heard that uh, particularly about that particular engine. Okay. Uh, let, let's get to the phones. <laughs> I think Randy has been waiting there in Andover to ask you a question. Randy, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I have a 2016 Toyota Tacoma, and I got a, um, a, a good set of tires on the truck, and but I got that loud roaring noise like, and so I went to the tire company or people, and they said I have a cupped tires. So long story short, I replaced them with Michelin, and $800 later, I still have not as loud, but I still have that rumble noise. Uh, and I was understood by one of the discount tire person said, you know, your wheel bearing sound could sound just like that. Is that true? That true. A tire and a wheel, a, a cup tire and a wheel bearing sound very much the same. Uh, the difference is with a, when you're going down the road, a soft, uh, smooth road, if it's a wheel bearing, most often if you turn the wheel just a little bit to the left and to the right, you can get the noise to change or even go away. Uh, with a tire, the uh, noise will not go away. It'll, it'll, it'll stay there. So that's kind of the rule of thumb with when we're test driving a car, deciding whether it's, whether it's uh, a tire or a wheel bearing. But bear in mind... We've been fooled too, so <laughs> noises are tricky and difficult. And uh, I think I, I don't think they probably did you a disservice because if a wheel, if a tire is cupped, you can clearly see it. And uh, if it's still making the noise with Michelin tires, which are very good tires, uh, then it probably is not the tire anymore. I do believe that it is something else. And the next thing that you would go after would be a wheel bearing. When we put the vehicle on the hoist, we can spin, oftentimes spin the tire and feel 
uh, one of the four tires being a little more gravelly or a little different feel to it. And so that's oftentimes how we uh, find a wheel bearing also. Very good. Speaking of tires, here's a texture that came in a bit ago. It says, what's the best air pressure for tires? Well, you can find that out on every vehicle, right? There you go, Denny. That's exactly right. It's right on the driver's door jam. It tells you what the manufacturer recommends uh, for tires, front and rear. Sometimes they're different, front and rear. And if you put exactly that air pressure in, which most often is around 35 PSI, uh, some a little higher. Not very often are they lower anymore, but uh, but that but I would put the air pressure in that the manufacturer recommends. That's what the car was built for, and designed for, and and engineered for. So uh, I think that's probably the best place to go with it. Yeah, just open that uh, driver's side door and uh, look at that panel down there, and they'll they'll have uh, that info. Uh, here's a text that says, "What's the best way to keep a car battery?" Sufficiently charged when not driving much in the winter, should one start and idle it regularly? And if so, for how long? Well, you should actually best to start and drive it for a while. It's not best. You know, the vehicle doesn't do all that well idling, sitting still. Uh, It's best to take the vehicle out and uh, uh, run it down the highway if you can. Uh, that will get the battery charged up. That'll get all the fluids flowing and warmed up. It'll get the exhaust warmed up, and so that doesn't rust out. It's just uh, best if you can cruise it down the road. But, uh, yes, if you start the vehicle and let it idle, uh, the battery will recharge. <clears throat> or, you know, they make these uh, trickle chargers, these uh uh you know, battery things that you can hook up to the battery that are designed to leave them hooked up and plugged in all the time, and it just keeps the battery at full charge. And when it is at full charge, uh, the charger shuts off. Um, so it just trickles a little bit of, of charge in there to keep it up to full capacity. I remember I bought one a few years ago. They're really not that expensive, and they, they really do a pretty good job, wouldn't you say? I would say they're not expensive, and they do do a good job. Yeah, And uh, especially if you're storing a vehicle for the winter, you don't want the battery to sit outside to go dead and to freeze uh, because that wrecks the battery. So uh, if you're going to leave the vehicle outside, make sure you keep the battery charged up or remove the battery and put it someplace where it won't, uh, where it won't freeze. Okay. Listener says, I just bought a new RAV4 TRD. I've read that nowadays it's not necessary to undercoat or rust-proof cars anymore. I have also heard... In Minnesota, because of salt in the road in the winter, you should undercoat or rust-proof. Dan, what would you do, is the listener's <laughs> question. <laughs> I do not undercoat or rust-proof. Uh, I agree that there is quite a bit of undercoating and rust-proofing that the manufacturer does. And uh, the last thing the manufacturer wants is a reputation that their vehicles rust out too soon. Uh, that's not good for sales. So they're pretty careful about that anymore. That being said, I still see quite a few cars that come in that have been rust-proofed and undercoated, and so I don't think it's a bad idea. I'm just not sure that it's necessary. Okay. Yeah, I know we get that question from time to time. Another question we get, especially this time of year, is what should I do to plan storing my car for the winter? Well, we started talking about it with the battery, 
take precautions so that the battery uh, d- um, doesn't go dead and freeze because that'll wreck it. <clears throat> you you want to uh, some people suggest over inflating the tires a little bit, which is good idea for a couple reasons. One is in cold weather, the air pressure t- has a tendency to drop anyway. And uh, the other reason is they say that it'll uh, keep the tire from getting a flat spot in it, which I haven't really seen before, but, but uh, you know, they still recommend it. Um, and then just be sure that it's, you know, the fluids are all full. Make sure you store it clean. You don't want to store a, a dirty vehicle because, uh, you know, then it attracts or it holds the moisture and that's what causes rust and things so uh and and store it dry you know don't put it away on a day that it's raining out uh, put it put it away when it's uh dry and clean and and uh, and all of that and you know if you're if you're particular about the exterior and the paint and everything some you know they make covers for cars that you can put over them too and uh, and that's probably not a bad idea you mentioned this too along those lines it just dawned on me that if you get your car washed and you store it uh, those those brakes can rust in about five seconds, I think it seems like. They can really yeah. turn to rust. You do want to put your, you do want to put, you do want to drive the vehicle before you put it away. Even after you wash the vehicle mm-hmm. um, in your driveway, uh, you should go take it for a drive so that the brake rotors warm up and dry off because you're right, overnight they do get a coating of rust on them. Uh, that has to be rubbed off, and it's no big deal. Right. But it's best if it doesn't happen. It's best if you put it away dry. Well, what's best is if you want to get in touch with Dan and uh, the crew there at Lloyd's Automotive. How do we do that, Dan? Well, give us a call. We'll be here this morning. You can call us at 651-228-1316. Come on over. We are at 982 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. Or the other option is find us on the web at lloydsautomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, lloydsautomotive.net. Excellent, Dan. Let's uh, get together next Saturday morning to help our listeners out, all right? Sounds good. Have a good week, Dan. Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive.